Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the DC Beer Show. Uh, if you've been following uh, stuff happening at dcbeer.com, you've noticed that we've been talking a lot about Savor, uh, which of course is the Brewers Association beer and food pairing shindig that happens every year here in DC. So we're getting really, really excited about it. Today is the day that tickets go on sale. Today, Wednesday, February 19th. The tickets go on sale to the general public, so if you haven't got yours, get them fast. Saver always sells out, uh, and I'm sure it will again. We have with us today, uh, we have a guest from the Brewers Association who's an integral part of making Saver such a success every year. We've got Executive Chef Adam Doulier. Adam? Hey, how are you doing today? Did I pronounce your name right? <laughs> Pretty close. Duly, but yeah, Dooley. that works. Sorry. I'll take the little accent. It sounds fancy. <laughs> Great. Well, listen, thanks so much for joining us on the show today, Adam. We really appreciate it. Now, I want to start off talking to you. Before we get on to Savor, I want to get a better picture of what your role as executive chef is at the Brewers uh, Association. Like, What does the Brewers Association need an executive chef for? What do you do with your day-to-day stuff uh, in your day-to-day job uh, at the Brewers Association? It's a, it's a good question. It, it kind of, uh, it stretches across a lot of things. Um, so, you know, obviously Saver is a, a good chunk of things uh, in the lead up and going into May uh, at the Great American Beer Festival in Denver each year. We have an area in the back called Paired, uh, which is uh, bringing about 25 chefs from across the country in and getting them working with breweries and presenting pairings there. Uh, and then for the craft brewers conference, uh, we do work pairings around the world beer cup events, and then also educational seminars, uh, as well as there's a kind of a sidebar to the craft brewers conference of the, uh, distributors, uh, wholesale distributors have a conference and every year we've done a pairing lunch for them and kind of talked about what we see coming forward in uh, the you know on-premise kind of stuff, what's happening with food, where we see beer and beer styles trending. And then with the public facing side of it and craftbeer.com, uh, and as well as a lot of our brew pub members and taproom members, there's a lot of educational content that comes uh, as far as training uh, all the way down to the digital aspects of what's happening with point of sale systems and how things can streamline there. And then, also go into a lot of the work with one of the programs we have for export development with working uh, with breweries who are interested in uh, exporting beer outside of the U.S. So kind of spread across quite a few things, uh, but all kind of coming back down to that general idea of how can we uh, help more people out there learn about beer, learn what beer styles they like, uh, and not be intimidated to try things. Because we we have created uh, quite a few styles out there that can be intimidating for the uh, person who's either new or has known what they've liked for a long time and not come back into it for a while. Wow, that's really interesting. And I think, you know, the idea of the food and beer pairing it- it's been around for a little while, but I but I don't think there there's as much. You know, obviously it's a it's often considered to be very much a wine thing, right? But but I have become thanks to you and 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 uh, others in the field much more conscious about what I'm eating uh, and and the beers that I'm drinking and how they how they go well together. So we're glad that you're doing it. How did you get into this? Did you start out as a beer person who then became a chef, or were you a chef who then got into beer? Uh, it was a, a chef, um, always been, a, had always been around beer, but it didn't become really a focus until probably, uh, uh, let's see, I'm bad with years, but probably 12, maybe 15 years ago, somewhere in that range. Actually, 
probably more around like eight, 18 to 20 years ago. And then I grew up in Kansas city. So, you know, I grew up with Boulevard, mm. you know, growing up in a town where you have a craft brewery, you know, in the, in the nineties uh, and even in the eighties, you know, that, that changes a little bit of what you learn about when you kind of start coming into things. And so that, that helped a lot. And then when I uh, was in Colorado, I ended up meeting some folks at the Brewers Association and we were just loosely talking about, you know, Hey, what if we, uh, what if we did some food at the great American beer festival? And what if we just kind of started to integrate some food and see what happens? And it was kind of one of those things where I was like, okay, let's give this a shot. And that was almost 12 years ago now, maybe. And we started small. And then the next year it was like, Oh yeah, that really worked. Let's try this. Let's try this. And it really over the years is just kind of, the snowball's gotten bigger as it's gone downhill as, you know, the explosion of, of craft breweries in the state to what it, in the country to what it's gotten to now, the interest from the consumer, the interest, not only here, you know, within the U S but also globally of what's happening and, and watching the shift to where now, you know, the brewing that's happening in the U S really dominates and drives what kind of happens in craft beer around the world. So it kind of just started happening and then we just let it kind of kept going. That's awesome. Now we get to this point where, where it's sort of become expected in a lot of, in a lot of ways. I mean, I go to a lot of restaurants now where, uh, especially the beer focused restaurants where there's a recommendation, there's a pairing recommendation with all of the entrees, uh, on the menu. Uh, and so I think you've really been successful at bringing attention to food and beer and how they go together. So thank you for that. Yeah. Great. It's great to see, you know, uh, to see not only beer lists growing, but also, uh, you know, just kind of rounding out. You know, I think the, the modern day restaurant today has to be good at everything from service to food, especially beer, and then, you know, wine and cocktails as well. But everything is on equal footing now because people are looking for the experience. Uh, and it's it's great to see where beer is is growing in that and continues to grow. Yeah. Now, I want to real quick bring up something that uh, one of our one of our writers, Jake Berg, brought up to me. And, and he he pointed out that over the last few years, there have been some there have been some not positive comments by some chefs about craft beer and how craft beer sort of relates to the, their craft of, of being a chef. Uh, I know that David Chang has made comments about, you know, che- how cheap beer is is better. Uh, and Anthony Bord- Bourdain, the late Anthony Bourdain, made comments about like how he hated seeing, you know, people people drinking flights and, and, and analyzing beer. Do you, do you have any thoughts on those co- kind of comments in the culinary world dismissing beer? Yeah, I think, you know, part of it comes from there. There was a time where when beer started to come into restaurants and come into fine dining and come into things, some of what happened is people went a little over the top in explaining things. And that's that's one of the things where, where I came in and a lot of chefs that I work with came in and said, you know, when you go up to the table and you're talking to someone about somebody so a beer or a beer style, you know, you don't need to go into degrees Plato. You don't need to go into IBUs. You don't need to go into all this stuff. Like, does anybody do that for wine? No, you talk about flavors, you talk about words. So in, in some ways uh, on the high end of it, you know, we created a little bit of challenge for ourselves because everybody, when they go out to eat or when they go out, they go out for that experience and they go out wanting to enjoy 
And they also go out wanting to have a little bit of something comfortable that they know, right? So if you sit down at a table and you're not familiar with the food and you're kind of stepping out into a tasty menu or a restaurant you haven't been before, and then all of a sudden this whole thing comes in and people start dropping these words that you don't even know what they mean, it kind of it kind of can put people off for a little bit. And so, you know, I definitely see where a lot of chefs have seen that challenge, you know, and then we've started to come around from it where, you know, now uh, it is about having uh, a better beer list and making the decisions easier. And you're seeing more people talk about flavors, you know, you're, you're seeing words like minerality and crisp and uh, herbal uh, come to the table forefront more about talking about it as opposed to, Oh, this IPA is 93 IBUs. Well, that's great. Most people don't know what that means. Right. Um, and so, you know, definitely understand it and, and still see it. You know, you, you for sure see it in, in places outside of the U S as well too, where, you know, craft beer is, is several years behind what we have here. And, uh, I think it's going to start continue to change. And as brewers are getting better relationships with chefs and with restaurants, and as the way we talk about beer to the, on the consumer side starts to kind of continue to evolve, it'll, it'll settle down into kind of its rightful place at the table. Great. Yeah. That's a great response. And I, I think that that's something that scared a lot of folks I know off early about craft beer is sort of the vocabulary. And, and frankly, it was, I think when I first started getting into craft beer, Seriously, other than just drinking beer and started really trying to understand it, really started at home brewing. There were, there's a lot of vocabulary that can be kind of daunting at the beginning. And if you you give somebody too much of that, I, I know it happened to me where I was just like, I don't understand what any of this means. And I don't really have the time to learn all this stuff. I just want to make a good tasting beer. And the great thing about home brewing, of course, is it's actually not that hard to make a decent beer. <laughs> so you can you very quickly forget about some of those things. And then you go back to sort of really understanding IBUs and really understanding, um, you know, color and, and those things. But, but I think for a lot of folks that it, those things are daunting in, in any introduction to, to craft beer, whether it's with food pairing, whether it's home brewing or whether it's just drinking, you know, out at restaurants. So I'm hopeful that this is, that we're, we're moving out of that phase and that these quotes from folks like David Chang, Chang and Anthony Bourdain are, are all in the past. But let's move this conversation forward. Uh, well, actually, let's talk about Saver. But I do want to go and I want to start this conversation. All of our listeners, I think, know what Saver is. But basically, it's the Brewers Association sort of big event uh, in Washington, D.C. every year that really focuses on great craft beer from around the country paired with great chefs and great food from around the country. Uh, is that, that an accurate description of, of what, you, what you guys are doing? Absolutely. Great. So uh, before we talk about Saver 2020, I want you to go back in your memory. You've been doing these for how many years now? Years. Uh, <laughs> I think about 10. 10, yeah. So think back. Is there one like Saver that you can remember that just really you thought was just the best, uh, best combination, most successful Saver, best combination of beer and food? Oh, that's a, that's a tough question. That's, that's challenging the memory there. Um, I don't, I don't know if I have one that necessarily stands out. You know, we have I, more of what stands out for me after the time of doing it is these little stories that kind of pop up here and there. What's your favorite uh, story from, from someone, you know, probably one of, one of my favorite ones is we, we kind of collectively refer to this one as like the strawberry rhubarb pie incident. So <laughs> I can't remember what year this was, but we just kind of, 
casually put, uh, you know, desserts never really take off huge. And we casually put this like little strawberry rhubarb tart uh, on and paired it to like three beers on the floor. And somehow it caught fire. And like myself and the chef team on the floor kept having all these random people come to us and be like, these are amazing. I've eaten 10. And we're just like, this is going to be an issue. Um, <laughs> and, and it somehow started to make its rounds around where that's all people were talking about. And we were just like, okay, you know, lesson learned. You never know what's going to do it for people. You never know what's, you know, that was like the same year where we were like, all right, I think we had done like a, a rye fried chicken. And we also delved into doing like an ahi taco. And like, we were like, those are going to get crushed. And we're all like, well, clearly pie won this year. <laughs> and so we kind of get those, you know, kind of those, those stories that are in there. Some of the other things that kind of stick in my mind is like, as we've, as we've grown over the years of things that we've done, you know, it's really been great to kind of bring a couple different aspects in and to get to meet Nathan Andrew who has, you know, red apron out there and have him over the years do a Salumi program where it kind of almost comes where he just plays around with some stuff that become exclusive to what he's doing at Saver. And same thing with some of the other local chefs in DC, you know, Mike Friedman from all purpose and the red hat has been doing stuff with us for six years at both it with him getting more and more involved in Saver and also other events we do. And so kind of seeing how the community grows around it has probably been one of the most exciting things year over year. Oh, that's fantastic. And integrating that with local chefs, uh, I think is, is really exciting to the, to the community here of, of foodies and beer lovers it's because it's when you can experience a local chef in this new way, it certainly, you know, raises their profile in terms of just sort of the, the dining experiences you can have in DC. And of course, you know, 20 years ago, there weren't a lot of great dining experiences in DC. And uh, I, for one, who've been here for almost that long, have just loved how how food has grown as well as obviously craft beer has grown in DC and in the surrounding suburbs and love seeing it all sort of come together uh, in something like Savor. So, one of the questions I want to ask as we move on and start talking about 2020 uh, and Savor is there's a, there's been a change of venue. And in the past, I know that at some Savers, there have been challenges with the food in terms of sort of getting the food out to, to the patrons in a timely fashion, making sure that there's enough food for everyone. Is the change in venue related to that or is, you know, is it, is it unrelated? And how are you, how are you having to rethink the food at the Anthem in ways that may have been different than when Saver has been at the Building Museum in the past? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, the National Building Museum has been a great host for, for us for the last 12 years that it's been there. You know, it's been 12 years that that event's been National Building Museum. In the most loving way possible to say this, of working in a national historic building that was built hundreds of years ago with no kitchen, no ventilation system, a lot of windows that don't open or you don't want to open uh, and, you know, working on timings of where you need to start booming the HVAC in so that the temperature stays calm during when you get an influx of 2000 people coming into the room, going to a venue like the Anthem uh, is a complete 360 degree turn. Like it's a completely new world. You know, this is an insanely modern building and is built to do what we're doing, whether it's from concerts to, to events. And they did an amazing job 
uh, with the anthem. You know, anybody who's been to a show there or been to an event there, I think has seen that. And so, you know, it's it's providing us a lot of things. One, we really in the last couple of years. We, we maxed out the space we could use at the National Building Museum, you know, and with the growth of craft breweries and more people wanting to participate in an event, finding a larger venue actually kind of became the driving force behind it. And that kind of follows everything with it. Because of that, the food is going to take on a different form. Because of that, the atmosphere will, the amount of space you have, the ability to move around, all of that changes with, with kind of being able to get that. And so that gives us going into 2020, this time where we're going to have more breweries, more beer than ever. Uh, we're going to have, because of the modern facility as well too, and how it's laid out, uh, we're able to really blow the menu out this year. Uh, so that's a complete new thing as well too. We're able to bring in VIP area this year. We're going to have four chefs actually cooking there uh, on little stations for people. So it's, it's kind of, given us the opportunity to do a lot of things that we've tried to do in a challenging yet beautiful historic building that we can now do in a very modern building. Excellent. I'm really, really looking forward to, uh, to being at the Anthem for this because, well, like you said, like it's a modern building and it's designed for, to be able to produce this kind of event. So my hope is, is that everything that you're predicting will come true and that the, you know, being in this type of event will allow you guys to really do things that you would just couldn't make work in the, in the building museum. So I think it's going to be fantastic. Really looking forward to it. Now let's tell us a little bit about sort of what we can expect in terms of what are some of the things that are coming together, pairings, food, uh, and and talk to us about some of the breweries. Particularly, talk to us about some of the breweries that you're excited about having who are outside of DC, because obviously in the DC beer show, our assumption is, is that the local breweries, and there are quite a few this year. Check out our brewery article. Uh, about Saver 2020 at dcbeer.com. But Adam, why don't you tell us about some of the some of the breweries you're excited about from other parts of the country? I mean, there's there's a lot. You know, good timing on this. You know, probably, I don't know if we're allowed to fairly say this or not, but, you know, pre-recorded on this. So you and I talking right now is good timing because uh, two days ago, we just did our tasting out here in Boulder. And actually, um, Wednesday we kind of compiled the menu together. So you and I have some pretty good <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. talking right t- Perfect timing for talking right now. Excellent. Uh, of, of stuff that literally outside of you, maybe five people have seen this right now. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm psyched. <laughs> so uh, right now we're sitting at 118 breweries, which is more than we've ever had. And that's going to kind of give us a lot of room to play around. I personally will say that I think this is probably the strongest beer list that we've seen at a saver ever the approach that we took with a lot of the breweries and kind of talking to them about styles and talking about rounding things out like the styles range from a table beer in the low three percent range all the way up to the barrel aged in in the high you know 15 16 17 percent range with everything in between and so that to me is one of the more exciting things. And we're really kind of focusing on getting the menu. And this is kind of the key for Saver is that there's no flow to attack it. Use the food and use the beers to kind of transfer between everything, right? There's no, there's no building an intensity. You don't need to go find the lowest ABV beers first anymore. You can kind of go walk around and do what you want. And the food is there to help kind of bridge between, so you just had a really big beer and you're going to something lower, use the food to kind of help cleanse your palate and keep you moving along. We do have like 42% of the breweries that are at Saver this time have never been in Saver before. So 
there's a whole lot of new stuff coming in there. And then, you know, the other thing that's fun as well too, is like a lot of brewers and same with like the returning ones, uh, you know, they use Saver as a time to, to kind of just come out and play. Uh, and some that we've built up kind of some of the people that have come back uh, as, as supporters of it, uh, you know, they'll send us some really fun and challenging beers to work with. And so, you know, there's kind of some nice, nice things that are coming in there. And, you know, there's going to be a good chance for a lot of people to try a lot of beer that, to be honest, you know, is not available really outside of like where these breweries exist. You know, I think a good example is like Side Project, you know, super small brewery in Missouri doing yeah. some in, in, insane stuff with fermentation. And they're, they're coming out to have some fun. Uh, you know, I think that it's always fun to see what some of the larger breweries like Allagash and Sierra Nevada and Boulevard are bringing in to play with and Oma Gang. And then you get all these small ones that kind of drop down uh, and, and just bring stuff in, you know, and they bring a lot of fun stuff to, to play out with. So, you know, you've got we've got Fremont coming out from Seattle and they're bringing two very different beers. We've got some of these smaller breweries that are just coming in and they're bringing in some really interesting stuff. Uh, you know, that in all honesty, we've not really seen before. And we're having conversations with these brewers, you know, like there's a really small brewery called Lake Ann brew house and they're mm-hmm. turning out some really phenomenal beers. And, you know, they, they're sending, which to me is really fun to play with is they're sending a, a golden strong ale. And it's like, Ooh. that to me is, you know, you don't see that as much anymore, but yeah. then you get something like a golden strong ale with food. And it's just such an amazing combination. And I think that also has the ability to help kind of people see some of the stuff that can happen some, and try some styles that really aren't out there. We had this one brewery, Redbeard Brewing Company, uh, super excited to be in Saver. And the, they, were, they were like, okay, we know one beer we want to have in. And then they sent us five other beers all packaged in little small growlers. And they were like, tell us what you want to play with. Ooh, cool. And, and so, you know, we get, we get some, so we get some great treats like that. And you know, I think that's what makes savor unique and makes it a lot of fun. And then, you know, do you want me to just roll right into kind of giving you some of the stuff we're going to do menu wise? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's go straight in. All right. Sure. So on the VIP package part of it, this is one of the things about moving to the Anthem that really kind of gives us this game of it. We've got four chefs that are going to be in the VIP area for the first bit doing just some one-off pairings in there and just some one-off food. So Mike Friedman from the Redhead and All Purpose is going to be in there. Uh, Danny Lee from uh, Andrew and Chico is going to be in there. And then the chef from Chicago, Lamar Moore, he's in a place called The Swill Inn. Uh, He's going to be in there as well, too. And then we've got one other chef that's coming on but hasn't quite confirmed in yet, but we'll have four chefs in there rolling stuff down uh, for people to kind of get a little pregame on before they roll into the whole 118 breweries on the floor. So, and this is kind of where it's one of those things where we're getting to play around a little bit. You know, the menu is going to be, it's all over the place as far as really style of cuisine. There's uh, some South Korean influence. There's Japanese influence, definitely Italian coming in. This to me kind of defines what, American cuisine is, is becoming is it's where you're taking all of these flavors and kind of putting them out. We are a little bit in, you know, the menu process we go through, we had several chefs out and we, we were all part of the group tasting. We take all those notes back and, and we kind of write a menu based on all these flavors. And we start with a little bit of a rough thing, but we kind of see where it goes. We definitely have a vegetable heavy menu this year, which I think is hmm. kind of a defining thing of what's happening uh, with, 
a lot of cuisine in, in the in the states right now. But right now we're looking at around 65 menu items. It's probably going to go up by a few from there. Um, but that's also the largest menu that we've ever been able to play with. Great. Yeah, it's been a, a really fun. And, you know, one of the most interesting things so far is that right now there's only one chocolate dessert in the whole thing. Huh. Okay. The beers that are coming in, the desserts, the kind of dessert section has gone a lot lighter to a Florentine cookie, a lemon meringue pie. Uh, and we're even going to kind of roll a little bit, uh, of old school English style scones in there as well, too, just based on what some of the beers were tasting, you know, kind of branching out into some of the other stuff. We're going to play with a little bit of mole. We're going to bring a little bit of game bird as far as duck and quail come in, into play into it. Uh, and then the vegetarian kind of world, uh, we've got a couple curries, really interesting to note. And we get to talk about this here for a second. It'd be interesting to see where this goes. Um, a lot of flavors of coconut came up this year. Interesting. And it came through two different ways. Uh, it came through some breweries using the Sabro hop, which definitely has a little bit of a coconut aroma to it. And then it came through a lot of the barrel-aged beers, either putting off a coconut flavor or uh, at least four or five of them actually using coconut in the beer. Interesting. So there's going to be some sort of tropical and Asian flavors, I would expect, coming into the food. Yeah. And we're taking most of those in a savory direction. You know, we're going to do a jackfruit and coconut curry. We're looking at kind of having green and yellow curries in there. We're going to work in kind of some uh, Greek cuisine by using some grape leaves with things. And then kind of going back to a little bit of old school Italian with a little bit of arancini. And then, you know, getting into some fish and shellfish with a little bit of tuna, some shrimp. Going to work on, you know, frying up some lobster this year as well, too. And really kind of taking the menu in a direction that it hasn't. This is definitely a, a wider scope of menu than we've done in a while. I'm really looking forward to this. I think it's going to be fantastic. Uh, all of the the new stuff that you get to do because of being in the new space, the the interesting, interesting takes on, on beers uh, that it sounds like are coming in, you know, with a strong L from Lake Anne and, and those types of things and all the coconut flavors and curries. This is going to be, I think, probably the best saver ever. And I have to mea culpa because I think a year ago or after the, after the last saver, uh, we mistakenly published an article that, that claimed that that might have been the last saver ever. I am so glad that we were wrong about that <laughs> uh, because it sounds like this really is going to be the best saver that, uh, that you've ever put on. So I'm really excited about this. Yeah, we are as well. Yeah, this is going to be great. I'm I'm particularly excited because Savor this year is on my 21st wedding anniversary. Uh, and so, oh, excellent. My, yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, that's what my wife and I are doing for our anniversary. So she's excited <laughs> and I'm excited. I will be honest. She's a little bit like, okay, I guess we can do that for our anniversary. Uh, you want to go to a beer thing. That's what you want to do. But I'm going to make her listen to this episode so she gets a clear understanding of sort of what Saver really is. And I think she's just going to have the time of her life. I know I am. Uh, so let's uh, remind everybody that uh, tickets for Saver uh, are on sale now. Uh, you could go to the Brewers Association website or you can go to dcbeer.com uh, and go to our events section. It'll be it's a featured event and will remain a featured event, obviously, for the next couple of months. So you can click on there to get to the tickets. I guess that's it. So, Adam, thank you so much for joining us. I should call you yeah, Chef thank Adam. Thank you so much for the time. 
Yeah. And uh, we will uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in a couple months out there in D.C. All right. It's going to be great. Everybody, go get your tickets. Remember, you can keep up with everything going on in the craft beer scene at dcbeer.com. Follow us on the social medias at dcbeer. Especially check out our Instagram. Uh, Brandy Holder's been doing an amazing job with our Instagram. Uh, a lot of fun stuff happening there. Until next time, go out and have a great beer. <laughs>